This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Hello and welcome to The Letter from the Bureau, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagishri Gareka. Now, The Letter from the Bureau is meant to be a detour a scenic detour from the raging news of the day. We like to talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States, and Europe. And they share with you interesting trends and events unfolding in their countries. In our sixth episode, we are speaking with the Straits Times South Korea correspondent, Chang Mei Chun, who's based in Seoul. It's good to have you on the show, Mechu. Hi, Bagya. Annyeonghaseyo. So let's begin by talking about Chuseok, which is the subject of your recent letter from the Bureau column. So Chuseok, tell us a bit about it, Mechun. Is it the Korean equivalent of what many of us here in Southeast Asia and East Asia know as the mid-autumn or, you know, the lantern or the mooncake festival? And um, separately, we've also heard of this as being the South Korean Thanksgiving. So which is it? Okay, actually it's both. Chuseok falls on the 15th day of the 8th month of the lunar calendar. And that is the day when the moon is supposedly, you know, the brightest and the roundest. So on this day, the Chinese celebrate uh, Mid-Autumn Festival, which is, um, you know, what we call Mooncake Festival in Singapore. But for the Koreans, they call it Chuseok. So Chuseok is basically a harvest festival. And legend has it that Chuseok originated from the worship rituals of farmers to give thanks to the moon and to their ancestors. That's interesting. And so I suppose it must be celebrated across the border in North Korea as well. Do you hear much about it? Yes, they celebrate this in North Korea as well. And so typically, how is it celebrated in the South where you are? Okay, basically, it's a time for family to come together and honor their ancestors. So typically on Chuseok, which is a three-day holiday, people from the cities would move back to their hometowns. They would gather in big numbers. Um, the women would come together to cook. And the men would gather to, you know, chit-chat. They would perform uh, rituals for the ancestors too. So, you know, in Singapore, we have Qingming Festival, which is tomb sweeping. So this part is actually done during Chuseok as well. And on the actual day, the family comes together to eat, to make merry, you know, to catch up with each other. And in the same way, we eat mooncakes in Singapore. There is also a signature food for Chuseok. It is known as Sompyeon. It is half-shaped moon. It signifies like, you know, good wishes and abundance. Oh, so interesting. I think it has a touch of, you know, the Chinese New Year too, in that the families get together, right, from the way you describe it. Yes, definitely. So, Mechun, in your recent column, you said COVID has basically disrupted these uh, long-haired traditions around Chuseok. Uh, what's the situation like now? Yeah, so Chuseok was last week. South Korea actually had a very long weekend um, starting from Saturday and ended on Wednesday. So typically, um, before COVID, you would see people traveling out in droves. Um, they could go on vacations or they could, um, you know, go back to their, to their hometowns. But um, this year, as with last year, there's been this drive to tell people not to go back. 
So the, the, the hometowns, you know, in the countryside, you know, the, where there are lots of old people um, living, uh, where the, the families are, they are reaching out to their, you know, children, grandchildren to tell them, no, do not come back. Because when you come back, when uh, there are lots of gatherings and, you know, the, the virus could be spreading during the gatherings. So that is one way that Chuseok is different now during COVID. Previously, you would see like huge numbers of people, you know, the uncles, aunties, the, the cousins all come together. But um, right now, uh, during the last Chuseok, uh, we could only see gatherings up to eight people. So basically, that we're having you know much smaller celebrations instead of like you know having few families come together, and how they travel back to their hometown has also changed. Uh, last time people could fly, they could take the train, but now they are restricting. Now they have restricted um, train tickets, like you know social distancing, right? So they could only sell tickets that have got the window view. Um, so people end up driving down to their hometowns, you know, keeping it small. So it caused like massive traffic jams uh, last week. And because of the gatherings, you know, people, you know, they, they still have this urge to, you know, gather with family, you know, during a festival like that. So they still do go home, uh, just meet in smaller numbers. But because of these gatherings, the family gatherings, right, there's been a spike in the number of cases in COVID in, in South Korea. Um, last Saturday, we saw a record high number of um, cases, more than 3,000. And the authorities now expect that the figures will climb, given the fact that right now the most common virus is the more infectious Delta variant. So authorities are trying to you know, tell people not to gather so much because we've got two more long weekends coming up this weekend and next weekend. And when we have long weekends, people tend to gather uh, it could be like, you know, in Singapore, the extended Chinese New Year, right? So over here, it's the same thing. So they're trying to discourage gatherings, hoping that this will help bring down the numbers. Right. And sounds like Korea still needs to take a lot of precautions, Mechun. But you've also called Chuseok and this whole season the season of rage. Now, that doesn't sound so festive. And you also say that this speaks to South Korea being a very patriarchal society. You know, we know it's very modern phase. We know it is a very technologically driven nation. So tell us, which picture of Korea is the accurate one? I think South Korea is both. Um, it being the home of Samsung, South Korea is very technologically advanced. But in terms of cultural norms, they are actually quite backward compared to, say, Singapore or even China. In South Korea, the hierarchy is very, very strong. Um, and it starts from the family, you know, the, the father figure. The father is always the head of the household. And um, the way you speak to your elders is very different compared to how you speak to your peers and people younger than you. You can be very casual with people who are your peers or younger than you, but you have to respect people who are older than you. And that uh, manifest in the way you talk to them. You have to show respect in the way you talk to them as well. So during Chuseok, when the family comes together, you know, you have your, you know, grandfather, grandmother, you have the young ones, right? So when everyone comes together, you can feel it very acutely, the hierarchy in the family. 
the elderly get the most respect. And then you also can feel the divide between the men and the women. So if you are a woman, when you go to Chuseok, you would feel, especially if you're a young woman, you might feel very disturbed that your elders, your aunties, your uncles, your grandparents asking you very direct and personal questions that you may or may not want to answer. And then they could make very blunt statements that they think is maybe showing care and concern, but to you, it could be uh, very condescending. For example, a very common one is they ask you about, you know, your work and um, they ask you when you're getting married. They ask you, like, you know, if they look at you and they think you've gained weight, they would, they would tell you to lose weight, things like that. So for the woman, and especially for the woman who is the eldest daughter-in-law, that woman has to bear the entire burden of preparing all the food and all the things are needed uh, you know, for the ancestral rites. And for this woman, you can imagine how, how she would feel during Chuseok. She's the one doing all the work. While the men are just, you know, making merry and, you know, having fun, she's the one doing all the work. And just because she's the oldest daughter-in-law, she has to take all this on. So that's why she can feel like, you know, imbalanced, psychologically imbalanced. And that's why the rage happens. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. I think I see it now. And I have to say, it reminds me a bit of Korean dramas a bit. Uh, of course, when you view a drama, you think it's exaggerated. So, uh, and, and I hear from you, it's a little different. I'm also curious as to how is it outside of Chuseok, meaning outside of these very traditional uh, celebrations where women do certain things and men do certain things. But in everyday life, uh, what kind of gender parity exists in schools or in uh, corporate boardrooms? What do you see? Is, is, it, is it really very unequal, the relation between the men and the women? Okay, I think the gender inequality is obvious even from you know, the home, because the wives typically have to serve the husbands. The wife, whether she's working or not, she has to be in charge of the husband's meal. She has to take care of the entire house. And because South Korea is such a patriarchal society, right, the son typically gets more, you know, love and they are treated like the prince. So if you are the son, you know, in, in the family compared to the daughter, right? The son gets a lot of attention. The son gets a lot of love. Whereas the daughter, you know, being a girl, sometimes is treated like a um, servant, I'm afraid to say. The daughter gets, you know, told to do lots of chores and lots of things. Whereas the son comes home, he just enjoys his meal. So that alone is, is very obvious, like, you know, the gender uh, difference. And then in schools, women get the same education opportunities, but the priorities are somewhat different. I've been told that, you know, men, they aim to get into good universities in order to get good jobs, but women are going to the good universities to find good husbands. 
why I say this is eventually when they all go out into the workforce, unlike in Singapore, we hire based on capability and uh, needs of the company. Over here in Korea, uh, companies would have an open recruitment process for for the fresh graduates and they get them in and then they assign, they train and they assign them different tasks, like different departments, right? So men traditionally get better departments like, you know, marketing, sales, but women tend to be pushed to, you know, admin and they could end up doing like, you know, the menial jobs, the secretarial jobs, whereas the men get better opportunities, And then it is in the office where gender inequality is the most obvious and the most blatant. You can look at how a woman, after she gets married and then she gets pregnant, she's often expected to quit her job. And even if she wants to return to the workplace, it seems there's this silent rule that she's not welcome back. And I've heard many stories, I've read in, in the newspapers as well, uh, reports saying that when a woman goes back to the workplace after childbirth, right, she does not get any uh, responsibilities at all. Like, you know, let's say she's a sales rep. She goes back and she finds that, you know, her job has been given out to other people in the team. She has nothing left to do. So basically, they are trying to alienate her and hoping that she will one day just decide to quit because she has no contributions at all. That does sound so unfair, uh, Michun. But, you know, I think South Korea might not be that different from many of the other societies we see all around us. Uh, I think this might be, uh, to various degrees, uh, you know, the experience of women and this, I think, returning to work after childbirth. I think it's usually quite problematic for women almost across the world. I think even in the West, where probably the laws are more enabling, I think it's still a struggle. And uh, actually, thinking about it, even the U.S. doesn't, you know, have things like maternity leave all that well encoded or uh, given so generously by, I think, some of the Asian countries actually might be ahead on that front. But back to Chuzok. So tell us, Mechun, your own experience of Chuzok. So you're a Singaporean, you're married to a South Korean, and you've been living in Seoul for the last seven years. So tell us what your Chuseok was like. Actually, I only have one and only experience of Chuseok, which is the first year when I, I came to South Korea. Because it was my first experience, I was very much looking forward to it. But my sister-in-law, when she heard that I was going to travel to, you know, their hometown in Masan uh, from Seoul. She she actually warned me. She asked me a few times, like, are you sure you want to go? And when I heard her, the reservations in her voice, I, I I went to ask, like, you know, I thought it's like Chinese New Year. You, you meet family and you celebrate, right? But she said, no, she hated this festival from young because she could see the, the, the gender inequality. And she didn't like how, you know, the women have to do all the work while the men just enjoy. So, you know, I heard what she said, but I was prepared to, you know, do my part because it was my first true thought. So I, so I went there, you know, excited. And because I'm a foreigner, they didn't really asked me to do a lot of things, but I could see the gender divide so clearly. Like, you know, you walk in and then the men get to go to the living room and the women are just like herded into into the kitchen and you have to prepare the food, you know. And 
there you have it, two very distinct groups and the children could be playing. And I wrote in my column how I saw that there was this very delicious looking pile of uh, mini pancakes. We call it chon in uh, Korea. And they look so delicious. So I was immediately attracted to them. And, and I told myself mentally, like, oh, okay, I'm going to eat that um, later. But by the time they finished the ancestral rites, you know, the men get to eat first. And then whatever, you know, they don't eat is, is passed on to the women. So by the time it was my turn to eat, there was no, you know, chon left, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so until today, I, I, I remember and I feel like, ah, oh, you know, I, I wish I had got a chance to eat that chon. So to me, that that chon is a labor of love, you know. It's it's like a very simple dish, but you actually spend a lot of time preparing it. And you you basically stand over the stove with a frying pan and then you it's a small mountain of, of chon. So you have to fry each one and they have to be about the same size. So you keep on doing it for a few hours. The oil is going to get into your hair. Your hands are going to be blistered. So the woman has to do all this. But yet, the men get to enjoy all the, the fruits of their labor. So I find that, I mean, coming from Singapore, where we tend to want to be fair. So, you know, if there's food, we would, you know, split equally. But for me to experience this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is gender inequality at its best. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, I I hope you did manage to fill up on the chon later on, though. But tell us now about uh, you talking your story about the newer Chuseok traditions that are thanks to the modern Korean mothers-in-law. What are these like? Well, in the past, when a daughter-in-law suffered at the hands of the mother-in-law, she would pass that on that suffering on to her own daughter-in-law. So it becomes like a vicious cycle. The, the sufferings never end because if I had suffered, if I could face the same thing, why should my daughter-in-law be spared from, you know, from the same treatment? But nowadays, with women being more educated, more open-minded, I think maybe a, a bit of Western influence as well, uh, the mother-in-laws of today are a lot more liberal. They suffered. They suffered during their times. But when they look at their own daughters, they don't want their own daughter to suffer. So if you don't want your own daughter to suffer, then you shouldn't inflict the same pain on another person's daughter. So I'm hearing more um, stories of how the younger daughter-in-laws do not have to you know, bear the burden of um, you know, preparing food for the entire, entire Chuseok. So it's more bearable. It becomes like a, it's, it's just a happy gathering occasion. And maybe also because families are smaller nowadays. Last time you had like, you know, five, eight children, but nowadays they have one, two. South Korea actually has the, the world's lowest uh, birth rate, 0 0.84. So that's not even one child. And uh, many people don't have children. So with that, I think the, the, the practice of passing on the sufferings to the daughter-in-laws is, is coming to a stop. Well, thank God for the modern mother-in-laws in Korea, I guess. But do you see these traditions taking hold? You have a daughter yourself. She's in primary school, if I'm, if I'm right. Do you expect 
may tune that by the time she comes of age there will be a much more gender equal more friendly to the women that kind of chusok a chusok 2.0 let's say so do you expect that to happen okay what what i'm seeing in the past few years is 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 a lot of um awareness about women rights and maybe partly due to the global me too movement south korean women i mean have come to realize that they should not suffer in silence anymore and that they should start demanding for equal rights exactly so you know festival with equal rights to enjoyment right so that's what we want to see at the end of each festival i guess thank you mechun for sharing those observations with us and that's a wrap for letter from the bureau we hope you enjoyed it and if you'd like to read mechun's columns we have a link in our podcast description box You will also find there a link to the other stories in our Letter from the Bureau series. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us. 